capture that joke. I didn't capture it. That was a good one. Yeah. Hey, it's the 12th of August, 2015. Time for the Soybean Pest Podcast. How you doing, Aaron? I'm okay. How are you doing, Matt? I'm good. Did my voice just go different when we when we come live? It becomes like a radio voice. Like You do have a radio voice, yeah. yeah. Stop on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... So much to talk about today. Okay. I saw you, you got your little note here. Aphids and spray day, first off the bat. Yeah, well, we've been talking about soybean aphid the last couple of weeks. Um, and we have a very large efficacy evaluation at the oh. Northeast Farm near Nashua yeah. and also near the uh, near Sutherland at the Northwest Farm. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of different foliar products that we look at. Insecticides. Uh, yep, insecticides, some fungicides, some host plant resistance, You're some seed at, treatments. Looking at fungicides as it well, relates to aphids, or no, it's just um, sometimes they're you know they're premixed with oh, insecticides, right. okay, and like uh, or just sometimes we'll ha- look at headline or something all by itself. Yeah, um, so we just look at a lot of different things, and so the big that's spray what day, do. yeah, and that the big spray day is on the 18th next Tuesday. Ooh. so it's all going down. Oh. So numbers are steadily climbing. I think they'll hit threshold this week. And so we're going to spray on Tuesday. Oh, good deal. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> Is that it? You, what does that look like? Well, I mean, are you like, have you spent a day in Tyvek lately? Um, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's, it's unpleasant. Yeah. But we've really long. streamlined the process, so I'm hoping that it'll only take a few hours. Wow. Yeah. Are you kidding? No way. Yeah. Because last time I did this, back when, when, oh, years ago, when I was in doing this with my graduate students, it, it took, it took 48 hours. Yeah. Like, we would have to prep the night before. Yeah, we prepped the night before, but the actual spray time is only a few hours. Yeah. And then, but then, yeah, we would take, we would start, like, at 6 in the morning. I mean, to get out in the field. Yeah. Spray the products. We would be done by like one or two. I just I remember Kevin Johnson, who was a graduate student at the time, would get done and then he would take his boot off and pour. I mean, not like not like a little bit, yeah, but like water, just yeah, come pouring. His boots out would of the be boot. full of sweat. Yeah. yeah, it's not fun. No. So you 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 have added stuff to it in terms of like you wear the Tyvek. I think you got the chilled vest. We have some chilled vests for the crew, and so it keeps their body temperature down because the Tyvek is so hot. Yeah. Yeah. And the, that, that cloth, that, like, squeegee cloth that you soak in, or you put in a cooler and then you wrap around your neck. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't use that for spray day. You wouldn't uh, put that under the well, Tyvek? You'd, you'd have to toss it, I think. But mm. I'm just saying, Yeah. back when I did it. Well, it was rough. We didn't, we didn't have yeah. those things. I'm curious to know what it feels like to have that chilled vest on. Hmm. Well, we are so off topic right now. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get back to the aphids? Yeah. Well, that's basically, I just wanted to well, talk put about a, it. Put a plug in for where that information goes. We, People need to know. We summarize all of our efficacy evaluation into a publication called The Yellow Book, and I can put a link mm. in um, so you can see previous publications. Yeah. We've been doing it, well, I've been doing it since 2009, but you've been doing it since 2005, I think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and in that um, there's the uh, the what comparison of the treated 
all the different insecticides to untreated. Yeah. And really I, detailed aphid count. Yeah. And then the, the, you know, the product names and the timing that they were applied. So you're putting them on around threshold. But yeah. in years where we didn't reach threshold, we went ahead and applied anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's been interesting because, you know, the I, yeah, insecticides kill insects. And there's a lot of insect pests out there that those insecticides can kill other than aphids. But in years where we didn't reach threshold, where we had very few aphids, the insecticides often didn't make a difference in yield. Yeah. And I think that's kind of telling, especially at a time when commodity prices are low and input prices have not dropped. You know, so the price of insecticides doesn't come down even though the value of the soybeans comes down. Yeah. So uh, some questions that farmers need to think about in terms of whether it makes sense to spray. Um, you know, because in some markets it makes sense when beans are 12, 14. Can you read? I mean, that was... It wasn't that long ago. Not that long ago. But it was, I mean, now we're, what, at 9.50? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so does it still make sense to spray Mm -hmm. when you don't have an immediate need? Mm -hmm. So, anyway, we getting off topic? No. Oh, because I just came back from the field. I say this, it's a young person's game, scouting for insects and pests, being down on all, literally I was on all fours trying to, like, get to the plants and lift up the leaves yeah. check in the whole plant and oh, oh that's so hard <laughs> your neck Knees, your back pat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah this one the uh yeah it's hard and, but um it's for the youth it is but i'm out there that's why we I, hire I them care. yeah really oh my god so many uh young people that we hire that do a great job for us but the um a couple observations. So, uh, yeah, numbers are increasing. In the experiment that we were counting, we artificially infested, so we knew there would be aphids there. But what was really interesting is uh, a lot of other stuff. And now that our experiment has been going for a while, we're starting to see a lot of eggs from surfids, those uh, hoverflies, from lady beetles. So if people are out scouting, they're going to see other stuff. and. Mm-hmm. Um, not to panic, because not everything is a pest. Right. You know? A lot of beneficials if you give them a chance. Especially now when yeah. you've, or especially now for the experiment that I just came out of, where we had had aphids there for a while, and those predators are starting to move in. Whether they're going to make a difference, I don't know. Um, probably not for that experiment, and especially if you're above what two fifty, it's yeah. probably too late for those predators to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So anyway, anything else we need to talk about? Um, well, I did have uh, something maybe to talk about. There is some confusion out there when it comes to corn rootworm. And I know this is a soybean pest podcast, but there's a rumor that you used to work with corn rootworm. I did. Yeah. And so it's not um, a rumor. It's not a rumor. That. You can confirm can, that. Yep. So was it part of your dissertation? It was. Where is this going? <laughs> no, you you worked with were were you working with Northerns or Westerns or both? Um, yeah, so I was working in Illinois and then a little and then in Michigan on the rotation resistant rootworm, and this okay. was the Western corn rootworm. Okay, but we were interested in whether so what the problem was growers were farmers were rotating corn and soybeans and their corn was being laid load by rootworms. And the question was, at the time, this is back in 1995, 
96. I know, Whoa. right? Yeah, that, Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> it's showing Eek. my age. Uh, we weren't sure at the time whether it was the Western or the Northern. Okay. And the Northern, uh, we knew then that the Northern could survive in a rotation because its eggs stay in the soil, don't hatch for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we learned out of Illinois and and this has been confirmed, is that that rotation resistance was from the Western who were leaving corn, laying their eggs in soybean fields. Okay. And so from there now, uh, Aaron Gassman and others uh, have built on this, and uh, they know, we know that if we you know put traps out in a soybean field, if you see a lot of Westerns, and I think it's like five to maybe seven per trap per day, uh, you've got a population that's going to lay that's that's laying eggs in your soybean field and you want to think about you know something next year if you rotate like an insecticide or maybe a bt why well, so the question that um there's i mentioned and why i think it relates to soybean is that um you, you talked about the soybean variant of western corn rootworm um moving to soybean to lay eggs right yeah. that that has been confirmed and oh that, yeah yeah been known for years. Um, yeah. but the the confusion is there has been a lot of people noticing northern corn rootworm and soybean and, mm. and thinking that they are also mm-hmm. laying their eggs in soybean and um you know from all that i know and all that i've ever read is that they will never do that. It's only laying eggs in corn, whether they have a traditional one-year yeah. life cycle or the yeah. extended diapause. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And so, it, op- so these are, are they people... are they feeding on pollen? Are they feeding on the weeds? I don't know. And pollen yeah. and weeds, or uh, it's funny you should say that because I was out in our experiment. And I saw Northerns, yeah. you know, in the soybean field, and we have had this observation before, both mm-hmm. from farmers and our own experiments. Um, and it, it seems to come and go. There will be years mm-hmm. where, oh, my God, there's so many northerns in a uh, soybean field. What's mm-hmm. going on? Mm-hmm. And it looks kind of like what we, or my experience from uh, Illinois when we had the, the western showing up in soybean fields. The difference is we don't, well, one, we don't have any evidence that they're laying eggs in soybeans. Right. And the other is I don't, you know, again, this is sort of observational um, kind of anecdote. But I don't see them persisting as long in the soybean fields as the westerns. Okay. Like you in Illinois, when you put out traps and you scout soybean fields, it's a three to four week period where there are often more rootworms, western rootworms, in the soybean field than the adjacent corn. Okay. And my my experience again, this is sort of anecdotal, is that you can see northerns in soybeans, mm-hmm. but it kind of comes and goes. Yeah. You know, it's not okay. a persistent thing. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And I just wanted to, I knew that you had done some rootworm research. Yeah. And so I just wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah. So you're hearing this from Just um, crop consultants, farmers who are nervous, you yeah. know, should I take some action if I'm noticing just a, a, a lot of northerns in my soybean? You know, do, should oh, I take some oh, action for corn next year? Because yeah, 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 they're, yeah. they're nervous. Yeah, so the I guess one way that somebody could take action now is to spray their soybean field to kill those northerns. Mm-hmm. But that is, uh, I, I would say that's not recommended. That's not a, uh, I don't think that's a, a good idea. Yeah. In part because um, you're, you're, one, we don't know if it works. There's yeah. no evidence that it works. And two, uh, you, you don't even know if you need it. Right. You know? So, beca- again, because there's no evidence that northerns are laying eggs and then 
breaking crop rotation in the same way that the Western yeah. does. You know, Mike Dunbar, graduate student uh, uh, here at Iowa State University, uh, with Aaron Gassman, did a, a study, and this has been published, um, and it's been out for a couple of years, where they they surveyed cornfields going from like the border, yeah, right at the Mississippi mm-hmm. into uh, Iowa. And they were putting out traps in soybean fields, looking for westerns, trying to get a sense of whether or not we have the rotation-resistant western mm-hmm. in Iowa. And they didn't find any evidence for okay. it. And they did this over, I think, two, maybe three years. Um, yeah, no, you know. Okay. It, it's kind of a, a, a night and day difference. You know, if you have it, you have lots of rootworms mm-hmm. on, you know, we use sticky traps to, um, to scout them. You have a lot, whereas... If you don't, you don't. Yeah. And, on, and yeah. he didn't find any okay. evidence for that. Um, why they haven't spread from, you know, Illinois into Iowa. Yeah. It's, this it's is me shrugging my shoulders. <laughs> I mean, I could come up with some hypotheses. Yeah. Maybe you guys talk about it some with the crop consultants. You know, I, no one really has a good good idea of why it kind of does stop. Um, why it does, why it's not more more prevalent in Iowa. I mean, two things come to mind. One, you know, we spray a lot of soybeans with insecticide, so we might be preventing it that way. But, you know, again, there's no evidence that that's the case, right? Yeah. Um, The other is this phenomenon of rotation-resistant rootworms started in east-central Illinois, Ford, Ford County, Champaign County, an area where pretty much all corn, at least in the 90s, was rotated. Um... And it has spread slowly westward, but more aggressively eastward. And okay. that's kind of the general weather patterns for uh, the U.S. when the rootworm adults are active. And so one, one hypothesis has been, well, it's just harder for them to go east to west and carry mm-hmm. that, that trait, those genes, that direction, than it is in the opposite mm-hmm. direction. Okay. So... That's awesome. I'm glad I asked. Yeah, hey, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, boy, we're, we're wrapping up on our 15 minutes. Um, what else is on your list? Well, uh, next week is the Xerxes Society. The sponsored. Conservation Biocontrol Workshop, right? Yeah, yeah. and that's on Friday mm-hmm. the 24th. I think we've posted stuff about that. Check yep. our previous podcast yeah. if you're interested in that. I'll be talking about conserving beneficial insects and how to do that with native perennial plants i got on the big show was it last week with doug cooper yeah yeah i've never been on the big show before Ooh, i gotta I, say uh have you done that i did one on tuesday yeah how, how'd it go fine what'd you talk about aphids yeah 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 it, it's a little um it's a little weird because i called in did you call in you don't you don't see anybody like right now i don't know if yeah. our listeners know this we're face to face yeah but, uh, to do it over the phone is a little awkward. Yeah, and you know what happened? What? I kept talking and talking and talking. And they're like, we have to go. <laughs> Just like now, we have to go. <laughs> All right, see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.